misogyny within the Black community is called misogynoir. So let's address the misogynoir within the Black community. And I would take that to local organizations like the NAACP, the Urban League, local fraternities, local sororities. I think we have to be realistic here, you know? I, I'm all about like breaking down doors and starting fires, baby. I'll do it all day, you know, but it gets tiring, man. I don't wanna do it by myself. So we have to give like realistic advice to people who may not be as brash and as aggressive and assertive as I am. This is Community Dialogues, a program for frank discussions about race, racism, and racial justice. I'm Helena Rampersad. On this week's episode, we speak to Victoria McDonald. She's a Jamaican-American from Rochester, New York. Victoria has entered the Army of Active Duty as a Human Resources Officer. She graduated from the historically Black University Howard in 2011, where she studied communications and culture. She received her master's degree in urban studies from Fordham University in 2021. Currently, she's an assistant professor of military studies at Fordham and the City University of New York. Victoria talks to us about her experience with intra-racism in the Black community and the importance of sharing the stories and experiences of Black women. So, Victoria, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. What was the experience like joining the military? What was your biggest shock? There was two types of culture shock for me. The militarized lifestyle, it's totally different from civilian lifestyle. And Southern culture, like Southern American culture from Northern American culture, it was very different for me. So can you tell me one of these culture shocks that you had? Because you obviously grew up in Rochester, New York. That's a very specific experience compared to somebody that's probably from Texas or, or Tennessee or something like that. So what would you say would be one of the biggest differences? Well, I am a Jamaican-American. I am Afro-Jamaican. If you put me in a crowd of Black people, I am Black. I am from the North. I am from what you would call an extreme North. I'm five hours away from the city, so I'm closer to Canada than I am to New York City. Coming down and joining, when I joined the military, I met a lot of women who were, a lot of Black women who were very uncomfortable with the fact that me, at the time, a 19-year-old, was not married or didn't have children and had no interest in having children and wasn't prioritizing marriage. It was like, oh, well, you're clearly less of a woman because you don't put your body and what your body can do for a man ahead of your own personal needs. So we're just not gonna really parlay with you that much. A lot of the conversations that I had with some of these black women primarily um, focused on men like there's a huge emphasis on a woman using her body to please a man and that was so destructive to me because we're women are way more than that and that is something that I constantly see it's just so frustrating because they automatically seem oh you're a black girl so therefore you need to get married and have kids and I'm like oh no I'm Jamaican so no 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 we're all the same we're all the same there's no difference in blackness you know you're just black and they would they hated that you know people black people came from different cultures and then if you stood firm in it like no I'm a New Yorker no I'm Jamaican-American I'm ostracized how do you respond to that how do you respond to someone whether it's a black person or someone of a different race saying all black people are the same so for them to make that comment it's insulting and I am 
not a bigger person. I never subscribed to Michelle Obama's methodology of going high when people go low. I believe energy is a real thing. I believe in fighting fire with fire. And then if we have to burn the whole house down, then maybe we'll just start anew. So I respond to their insults with insults as well. I've always done that. Uh, when, when people are disrespectful to you, they don't see how disrespectful they are until you match them with disrespect, I, I guess you could say. So when they would say, oh, why don't you want to get married? I'm like, why do you want to get married? Being the Jamaican-American in the room, how do people treat you differently? Within my experience, Black people just assume that if you look Black, you are Black, and that means you're Black American. So people don't really know that. Once they find out that I'm Jamaican-American, then the just stereotypes come on. Oh, I know you smoke weed. Oh my God, there's no way you don't have kids. Jamaicans have a lot of kids, don't they? Why don't you have kids? You know, and then, you know, I'm like, you're stupid. Black people have a lot of kids, you know. You know, black people do drugs, crack epidemic, 1980s, and then that hurts their feelings. But we, we went there. Now, if I'm in a, in a environment where I am the only, I guess, minority, even though I'm born and raised in America, right? I have a strong pride towards my heritage, just like any black person from Philadelphia would be proud of being from Philly. You know, any black person from New York, they're proud of being from New York. Any black person from Detroit, proud of being from Detroit. It's the same type of pride. And I'm not concerned about how I navigate because if my happiness makes somebody else uncomfortable, that's their personal insecurities that they have to deal with. I have been in situations where Black Americans have like tried to shun me. And I've decided that the social circles that I will surround myself in will be social circles that benefit me holistically. So let's talk about your experience at college. First, you went to St. John's and then Howard University. So what was the experience like switching schools? It was different. It's totally different cultures. St. John's University is a uh, Catholic university in Queens, New York. I got into an argument with a white girl who called me the N-word and we fought. And I will always choose violence in those type of instances because if she thought that it was okay to use that word, then it, I think that it's okay to physically uh, express my discontent with you because that word caused a lot of people to die, to be lynched. And I used that as an excuse to leave St. John's, not because St. John's did anything wrong. I just, I wasn't comfortable at St. John's. I just don't think that it was my niche. So after I left St. John's, I continued with the pursuit of the army and then I transferred to Howard University. And then I saw my people. I saw like the Caribbean Students Association. I saw my people. And the majority of them were like first generation Americans like me. And I was like, I'm with it. I'm here. So what was your experience like at Howard in a school specifically for Black students? Howard taught me that there's a huge aspect of intra-racial stereotyping and racism that occurs that is just just blatantly dis, like disregarded and not discussed. Black people, we're not a monolith. We're very culturally diverse. So we have various stories. And it was frustrating to a very small degree. Um, and I didn't notice it until I joined the Army. And I just noticed that if you don't follow a mold that some magic person created for the quote-unquote Black officer, you're considered to be um, atypical or probably a rebel, or probably a little bit out of the ordinary. And that mode is, you know, you go to some church, 
you're, you're, you try to be the model minority, try to emulate everything that you think is quote unquote white, meaning you play golf, you drink IPA, and then you don't really talk about like your culture if it's specific to black culture. Why do you think people don't talk about intra-racism and intra-racial stereotypes? I don't think anybody wants to talk about it because as a collective, it seems like we have discord amongst in, internally. And if we're not unified, how can we expect other people to collectively respect us? We want to talk about how, you know, there's so many people that are dying at the hands of white cops. But as a black woman, I am more concerned with possibly coming home and getting shot by a stray bullet from a random shootout or drive-by. I'm more concerned with possibly being sexually assaulted in my own neighborhood. I'm more concerned with being called a bitch or being spit at when I reject another Black man's advances. I would like to tell you a little secret. If you ever watched any Black cinema, you can kind of see that there's a lot of interracial dynamics. There's very few positive representations of Black women in Black media. So maybe the conversations are being done, but it's being done within the media and artistically. And we're just not having vocal conversations on platforms that are large enough for us to have these discussions on a scholastic, educated, professional forum. You said this conversation is not happening publicly, with the exception of media and all that. Do you think that behind closed doors, with friends, with family, people should be having these conversations? Are they happening at all privately? I know for a fact that when I have conversations with my male and female counterparts, black, white, or whatever, these conversations are happening. Black women die at the rate of one death every eight hours. The majority of them are due to inter, uh, intimate partner violence, IPV, domestic violence. That's the conversation that should be had. God rest George Floyd's soul. God rest the soul, souls of all these other individuals. But what about the countless black women that could be me? that are dying, their names are not being mentioned. And that to me is more of a problem. Last year, 2020, every organization created a ad to pander to the Black Lives Matter movement. What about the domestic violence rates in every single community to include the Black community? We don't talk about that. We need to have these discussions publicly. But it, it won't be trendy. It's gonna be very controversial. You know, people are gonna call you names because the truth hurts. And instead of uh, acknowledging the truth, we're going to say, oh, she's, she's, she's this name, and she's that name, and she's this name. No, it's a truthful statement, and the truth just hurts. So what do you do in those moments when, pe when you say something that's honest, but controversial, and people are coming for you? I'm not going to be silenced because it's trendy, because at the end of the day, my life is going to depend on this, okay? Me as a woman, okay, these issues are not going to go away. You cannot tell me that my truth is not my reality. I will accept if you disagree with me. I will totally respect that because, you know, we're adults and we don't all have to agree all the time. But uh, we'll go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I'll beat you with facts. And then if you choose to disagree because it hurts your feelings, I will acknowledge that. I will respect that. And we can uh, agree to disagree part ways. And I'll make a mental note to never deal with you again. But I'm not going to sit here and say, you know what, it's uncomfortable for you, so I'm not going to talk about it. In Harlem last summer, that young lady was, you know, thrown in a trash can because she denied a guy's advances. At the top of this year, a young lady went to buy wine at a store and multiple young Black men attacked her and one tried to bite her eye out. 
we have had a string of attacks of light, lighter-toned Black women being stabbed in the subway with the assailant saying that he's stabbing these women because a woman like that, are, that fit their phenotype rejected him at some point in time. I'm not going to not have these conversations because all of those situations that I described could be me. So what are those conversations like? I'm very theatrical. When I talk to someone, I'm always, you would think that I just took it like a shot of caffeine. I get up, I walk around, my hands are moving, my neck is rolling, you know, I, I crack jokes in there, you know, have a little sarcasm. But when I have these conversations, I tone it down a whole lot. Because all of my movements and all of my, you know, body language, all of my tonal inflections, all of my neck rolls can be perceived as being confrontational. Because when you're having a conversation with somebody who may actually have the attributes of the individuals that I say are actually detrimental to the Black community, they, they can get a little bit insecure, okay? And, and they're going to perceive your comments as being threats or attacks against them. So they're going to not respond with logic or sound judgment. They're going to respond as if you're verbally attacking them, right? So I have to be mindful of that. So I, I, I try to be cool, calm, and collected. I'll tell you about a Facebook page and an Instagram page called Black Femicide that tries to chronicle the number of Black women that die at the hands of various types of violence. And they can't because it's just so many. I'll tell you about the number of Black women that are single mothers. Black women don't become single mothers because they just want to be a statistic. They become single mothers because Black men leave. She is not to be blamed. And it's just very painful to have this discussion. Does Black lives matter when Black people are killing Black people? Or does Black lives matter only when a white cop is killing a Black person? So what do you think our society needs to be doing to get people talking about all of these things that are not at the forefront of movements. So this conversation is very specific to Black women because I'm a Black woman. I think that Black women should focus on discussing concerns that directly impact them in a negative way. And then if the conversation does need to be taken to a public spectrum, we need to make sure that the individuals that are speaking out on it are financially compensated and they're protected. Uh, because it's not enough for them to get paid for their speaking engagement, but when they come back home, they could possibly be attacked. Let's uh, monetize talking about the intraracial dysfunction, because maybe it'll shame certain communities into doing, doing better. And if it doesn't shame certain communities into do better, doing better, um, it'll at least bring issues into the forefront. What guidelines would you give somebody who, you know what, they don't know a lot, about this, they're just not aware, they're not in the spaces where people are talking about it, what would you say to them? Let's make mental health care a priority. I say that because the topic of intraracial racism and dynamics is heavy. You can crack and you can implode if you're not mentally and physically well. So I would, I would request everyone to first get your mind right and then, you know, Go to your local congressman or your local city council, your local your community boards, and start to have conversations with police officers. And let's start to create a neighborhood collaboration with police officers to talk about, hey, how can we, you know, protect those that are not being protected? Because, I mean, if you look at the news, Black women tend to have harsher crime sentences than Black men in the criminal justice system. And as a Black woman, Duh, that's a concern to me.
misogyny within the Black community is called misogynoir. So let's address the misogynoir within the Black community. And I would take that to local organizations like the NAACP, the Urban League, local fraternities, local sororities. I think we have to be realistic here, you know? I'm all about like breaking down doors and starting fires, baby. I'll do it all day, you know? But it gets tiring, man. I don't wanna do it by myself. So we have to give like realistic advice to people who may not be as brash and as aggressive and assertive as I am. Thank you so much for sharing your truth with us. Thank you so much. Special thanks again to Victoria for being on the show. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. This has been Community Dialogues. I'm Helena Rampersad. Thanks for listening. <laughs>